Welcome to the Global Corporate Venturing Leadership Series. Uh, my name is James Mawson, founder and editor-in-chief, and it's a great pleasure to be on this podcast with David Hayes and Nacho Jimenez from BP Ventures. Welcome. Hi, James. Thanks for inviting us. Thank you, Jim. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm delighted being able to join. And obviously, it uh, seems to be a particularly rocky markets out there at the moment, both in terms of what's happening with the coronavirus but also, obviously, in terms of the oil prices being uh, been a bit uh, movable over the past couple of months. So thanks for being able to join, David and Nacho. Can you just say a little bit more about your backgrounds and BP Ventures? David? Yeah, sure. So so I, I think I've been with BP close to 18 years now. The first year was actually on my my accounting degree. The third year was spent uh, doing an industrial placement with BP in London. And then I, I came straight back as a graduate. My, my career is probably... Two halves, really. First half in, in sort of pure finance roles, so statutory reporting for the gas business, financial controller type roles for the alternative energy business, and, and then transitioned into into the ventures group in I think around 2009, and then moved to the West Coast 2011. And so it's 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 been yeah a good nine years out here in, in California. Started off as the as the only commercial kind of biased person in the team. At that time, and yeah, I've sort of grown into the into the role now, leading the US and um, and wearing the, the CIO hat as well. Good to hear, Nacho. Thank you, Jim. I'm a chemical engineer by background. I had a few twists and turns in my career in BP. After finishing university, I started to do my PhD. I must have been 19, 19 years ago. I decided that I didn't want to know a lot about one very narrow field, and I wanted to know maybe a bit more about uh, what the field. So I went into the industry. I joined BP in an oil refinery in Spain, where I spent four years, and then I had the luck to transfer to uh, to a trading to an oil trading floor in London to the to IST, the trading arm of BP. I spent twelve years in the trading floor, and uh, I had a had a great time. I learned a lot about finance. I did finance studies and an MBA, and then I decided that I wanted to go into the innovation space, sustainability. And technology, and uh, I had the opportunity of joining BP Ventures in 2017, and uh, since then, uh, having a great time in the team. I think there's great people. What we do is uh, very important for the company and for the planet. And uh, I'll talk about it later. But we do have fun every day in the office, so I'm loving it. And David, can you just say a little bit about BP Ventures? You know, in terms of what you invest in and where you're based as a as a team, you know, some people might imagine you just invest in oil and gas companies, but I'm sure it's more than that. <laughs> yeah, it's quite, it's quite a bit more than that. So, yeah, uh, BP Ventures, um, I, I guess, really started going in, in around 2007. Um, so we've been doing this for, I guess, 12, I guess, coming up to 13 years now. And I would say the first four to six years, we were investing purely in alternative energy type technologies, but they were they were hedges. The technologies the the BP business was developing under the AE sort of 1.0 um, that we had at the time, uh, and and at that time we were investing maybe 20, 25, 30 million dollars a year. You know, fast forward to now and the budget's in and around the sort of 100 to 200 million a year level. So quite a big increase in 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 scope and scale. Uh, and beyond alternative energy, we now support the, the core oil and gas businesses as well as renewables and five strategic themes around the energy transition. So electrification of transport, artificial intelligence, alternative protein. You know, we're looking at uh, UAVs. Uh, we're looking at subsea uh, seismic drones. 
to, to be honest, the, the breadth of technologies we can invest in and will invest in is, is quite astonishing. I think where wherever we could deploy a technology internally or wherever we could play materially in the value chain is where we, we see a case for, for BP to invest, to bring scale, to bring our technical expertise uh, and to try and create positive engagements through investment. Okay, fantastic. Thanks very much for that. Nacho? I would say, I would say, Jim, that uh, we we don't get bored with the, with the range of things that we look at. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is always important. Uh, thanks for that. But just thinking about the COVID nineteen pandemic, what are the implications that uh, that's hitting from a BP Ventures point of view, both in terms of you as a unit, but also for your portfolio companies? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think we're um, certainly a few weeks into, into sort of grappling with the with the answer. And as you, as you mentioned, we're not only sort of uh, impacted by the COVID issue and reduced travel and not being able to meet face-to-face as everyone uh, takes sort of country guidance and, and self-isolates, but also with the oil price where it is. You know, I, I think BP's positioned relatively strongly in, in order to navigate, but clearly we're, we are looking at the capital and, and reducing costs where, where we can. But what does that mean for our portfolio? Um, you know, thankfully, we, we, we've landed... I think in a reasonable in a reasonable place over the years, differentiating follow-on capital from from new investment capital, um, and our investment committee um, understands that you know once we're in a company, we're there to support. You know, particularly in the in the tough times, and so of the around 150 million, I think we had slated for this year, uh, around 80 million of that is is actually follow-on. And while we're we're being asked to look what we can do to, to phase investments to later in the year or at least the second half, we're confident that we are going to be able to support the portfolio companies that we're, we're planning to raise this year and we'll continue to hopefully make new investments as well. In fact, first first new investment should hopefully close in the next four to six weeks. Fantastic news. Nacho, what about from your perspective over in London uh, for the European EMEA position? Yeah, I mean, we, as, as David said, we are very good protecting the follow-on uh, with the companies that will have investors, so we always have the dry powder. But obviously, we can see the portfolio companies. Uh, a lot of them, their revenue has dried. But a couple of them that were now in the middle of a, of a funding round, we can see that the funding rounds are taking much longer. Investors are more difficult to contact. They're more difficult to do due diligence. The size of the tickets also seems to be smaller. People are more careful with the capital they have available, trying to, first of all, shore up their portfolios, of course. And naturally, valuations that uh, that we are seeing at the moment have decreased. Will they recover straight away after COVID? Let's see to what extent. But at the moment, uh, everyone is taking a little bit of a of a it's a bit of a, of a bumpy a bumpy ride at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think I think one of our roles though as a, as a corporate in that is to try and maybe um, break through some of the maybe hysteria around this. I mean, if depending on how long the recovery is going to take, you know, some of the downward pressure on valuations and smaller rounds and everything else can feel a little opportunistic. And I, and I think we've, we've been around 12 years. This is our, our second of these cycles we've gone through. We've also gone through our own internal challenges. And I think as a corporate, we have a greater responsibility perhaps than, than some of the finances to, to make sure you're there and not taking advantage. I mean, I think BP Ventures has carved out a reputation of being founder-friendly and I'd like to continue to see that. And I think that the values and behaviours we, we hold dear at BP will help us navigate this this situation and, and, and come out stronger. You know, I, I, I think we, we would take a particularly dim view of, of other corporates and, and finances 
maybe looking to hurt groups if they're if they're not sort of delivering in this in this near term space. You know, it, uh, I, I don't think it, I don't think that feels appropriate. That makes sense. And in terms of you describing over the past twelve years, some of that the changes that you've been through internally, some of the challenges that you've faced. How do you think about the professional development piece? How do you think about the recruiting, training and retaining talent and within portfolio companies, certainly now given given some of the sort of seismic changes that we're seeing? Yeah, yeah. I mean within within our own team, um, it's actually interesting, yeah. You know, we've been around sort of twelve years. Um and in a lot actually the, the average tenure of, of the team, I, I've got to say, I mean, it's probably a bit of a guess, it's probably six or so years now. You know, in BP, you're typically encouraged to move role every two to three to make sure you get that sort of full BP experience and, and you know, the, the wealth of different opportunities that exist across the group. But I almost feel, and you know, selfishly, I'm, I'm in that camp. I've been in the team, I guess, 10 or so years now. Once you get a taste of ventures and, and being able to do venturing in, in the way we can do it at BP, you know, a growing portfolio, a, a growing investment space, a, a you know, breadth of, of technologies we can invest in. Once you've got a taste for it, it's hard to think about moving on to, to something else. I mean, we, we take the professional development, you know, seriously. We have a number of different programs running internally to, to make sure we, we stay on top of things and, and that junior folk can sort of come up the ranks. We, we almost exclusively hire at, at the sort of associate and analyst level from internal, uh, to give, um, that experience to, to other folk in BP and also looking at secondment opportunities and, and being on graduate recruitment rotation opportunities to, to allow Folk to come in, get a taste of ventures and, and maybe move out and take some of that entrepreneurship back into the group. And then in the portfolio, you know, yeah, certainly during this time, it, it, it's, it's challenging, right? There are a number of schemes that we're, we're trying to get our arms around right now to, to keep folk in these companies and, and take, take severance and redundancy and furloughing very, very seriously. But I think in terms of, you know, how do you, how do you retain staff in portfolio companies? I, I would say that we, we take the, the ESOP and, and sort of compensation piece very seriously. We just had a portfolio review meeting at the beginning of the year uh, where we went through, and I think we sit on the compensation committee as, as BP Ventures in, I'd say, seven out of 10 companies uh, that we're on the board of. And we'd, we'd probably aim to, to increase that. I think we try and benchmark across sectors and regions and everything else and, and do take that, that sort of compensation piece as seriously as we should. You know, let, let's face it. You know, the, the great teams that we invest in are, are the ones that are going to deliver the value through the portfolio companies, and so they, you know, you have to back them. Yeah, I think I think first of all in recruiting, as David said, I, I'm I'm very I'm, I'm very driven to promote the, the internal talent that we have. That's my first instinct, right? So looking for for people that can come at analyst and associate level internally from BP is great. In terms of of, of recruiting, I mean, BP is a company that offers a huge amount of opportunities, and as as, as my career or David careers shows in different roles, right? So it's a it's, it's a good employer, and the challenge that we have in front of us, decarbonizing the energy, reimagining energy, it's the biggest challenge that that one of the biggest challenges we have as as humanity, right? So if that doesn't motivate people to come and join us and try to make a difference in that, I, I don't know what it's going to do. Things that I would consider important is the DNI aspect of the recruitment. I want to make sure that we have a very diverse team. We we already have something like 45, 55 gender balance internally. Probably would say gender imbalance because there's a little bit more work to do. But it's, it's not only gender, it's how we think, how we behave, what is, what is driving us. And that that chemistry of that 
diversity of thought is critical for the success of the team. We we always welcome open-minded people and 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 that, that target the discharge of the carbonized energy, as I said. Finally, I think it's about giving people the opportunity to grow as well and a career and a career that is difficult to plan. It's difficult to know where you want to get in life. It's not always easy for people to to articulate that, but it's about putting people in in situations where. They have to unleash the inner hero, right? You put them out of the comfort zone and they break the t-shirt like Superman and they come out and say, okay, I'm going to do this. And, and they have that opportunity to come and shine. That's the way I have of training people, of learning by doing. And uh, I think people tend to respond very well. And uh, that also makes work fun. If you have to go every day to a place that is not fun, you probably don't want to go there tomorrow. But uh, keeping it fun is very important for us. Well, it's good to hear that, Sharon. David, you mentioned before, particularly around the COVID-19 crisis, the fact that you're trying to be very founder-friendly during this time in particular, but have that reputation more broadly. And you would take a dim view of other corporates or other financial investors that you know may be using this as an opportunity to slam down and on the entrepreneurs or, or other shareholders. What makes a good other partner or another corporate venture to work with? How do you work with them? And perhaps there are some examples you can think of. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to make sure that, uh, you know, I, I think it, it all has to be around collaboration and relationships. So I think if it, if it's folk taking you know, absolute advantage, we, we would try and coax them out of that. But um, do understand that, you know, while we may have landed the message around follow on others, maybe still going through that journey. So, you know, I, I think this is a very relationship based industry, right? So maybe I'll, I'll walk back my statement and make me sound not so much of a, a hard ass, perhaps, in, in terms of taking a view. But no, yeah, I mean, you're right, James. Um, I mean, we, we've collaborated or co-invested with, I think, virtually every other energy company in our space and, and obviously a bunch of other corporates beyond that. This is a team sport, right? We, we need folk around the table to, to be able to get these technologies to market and to, to address the challenge that Nacho referenced. You know, so I think having a reasonable line of sight to, you know, the ability to support portfolio companies is absolutely critical in terms of that partnership. So the strategy of one and done or, or, you know, invest once and then sort of be diluted, I don't think really plays out. If you're a big name, you need to understand the, the, the sort of responsibility you have putting your name on a cap table. It doesn't matter what your strategy is. If someone sees you not following on, it's, it's a bit of a red flag. I think portfolio management is, is key as well. Now, now clearly some take the view that they only want to take observer seats and absolutely understand that reason. I would say, though, if you're going to be sitting on the board, you have to have the right amount of time to commit. You know, members of the BP Ventures team sort of holding their heads that if they're going to be sitting on the board of a company, it's half a day to a day a week where you're essentially on core, if you will, to do whatever your CEO needs you to do. And I think making that time available in your in your sort of management structure is, is appropriate if you're going to be taking board seats. You know, just turning up for the sandwiches at a Latham Watkins office is, is not enough, right? You, you've got to be there to actually help out. And I think the third piece is, look, you're a member of a, of a large company. Surely you're, you're there to bring some additional value beyond dollars, right? That, that we, we all talk about this at GCBI, that the, the corporates are there because they're more than just money. They have value chain or ecosystem or, or expertise or, you know, they should, they should bring something else to the table. And I think your, your role in terms of that half a day to a day a week is not only in service of the company, you know, specifically as a board member, it's also an extension of the biz dev team. 
you know, knocking on doors internally and, and trying to create those conversations and those linkages to drive value and, and win-win situations for the company and, and for, for you, the corporation. So I think if you can show up with, with those three pieces, at least, then, then I think you're somebody that BP Ventures wants to work with and we can find, find space to, 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 to invest. Well, I think in BP, when we went into renewables in the mid-2000s, 2005, 2008, we learned two very valuable, valuable lessons from that time. First of all is that timing is very important in terms of when you, when you tackle a problem, when you bring a business to, 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 to the market. But the second one is that you cannot change the world on your own, that you need to collaborate. Collaboration is critical. No, no single company, no single individual is going to solve the, the dual energy challenge of producing more energy or providing more energy to the world while reducing CO2 emissions. So collaboration is at the heart of what ventures do. We don't do M&A. What we do in our team is collaborate. Is collaborate. We have worked on the last years with over 250 co-investors. So that, that talks about that significance of having other people around the table that has different ideas and different strengths to yours. And that complementarity of skills is what can, what can work very, very well with startups. One of the investments that BP has done is with the oil and gas climate initiative, where 12 of the biggest oil and gas companies uh, have created $1 billion fund to invest in technologies to, to, to tackle climate change. So that shows the importance of collaboration uh, into anything that we do. Fascinating. And you mentioned before, Nacho, about the fact that, you know, A, you want to be able to go into work, which is fun, but also that if you're not going to get motivated by dealing with things like net zero and climate change, you know, in the role that a group like BP can have in that, then then perhaps you're in the wrong industry in some way. So how do you think around the thought leadership piece, tech and investing kind of becomes a bit more regulated in societal concerns around things like sustainability and the sustainable development goals from the UN. You know, how does corporate venture or the industry more broadly respond to that? Well, in, in February, Bernard Lunick, BP CEO, announced the new purpose of BP, which is to reinvent or to reimagine energy for people and for the planet, for our planet. To achieve those ambitions, and that includes BP becoming net zero, by 2050, we, we're going to require investment in technology. We're going to require venturing. We're going to require working with other people that has different skills to us. So venturing is at the heart of, of what we, of, of our mission at the moment. It's at the heart of what we're trying to do. BP remains committed to the energy transition, even in the current dark times that we have with COVID and uh, tough times for oil and gas as well with the oil price. We committed, we, we remain committed to our ambitions. And there will be many technologies that we have to explore. We will have to experiment. We will have to go into places that we have never gone before, that we don't really know exactly what the result can be. And it's all about experimenting. It's about experimenting with things that can achieve scale, moving up pace, and, and, and always looking for, 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 for the light at the end of the tunnel that can help us make that transition and reinvent, uh, reimagine energy. Excellent to hear. And David, has that had any impact in terms of as CIO, in terms of thinking about the portfolio and what you might do as deals? Yeah, it's a good question, James. I mean, I, I think, you know, if we, if we track the history of, of BP Ventures, we've only broadened, you know, the areas in, in which we invest in. We were started off as looking at hedging technologies on terms of energy, you know, broadened out to cover more of the core oil and gas business. And a broader still now looking at some of these new energy areas and 
you know, I think investments like uh, Callista at the end of last year is, is BP essentially backing a company that's, you know, producing an alternative protein to, to help tackle some of the uh, sort of protein scarcity issues as we go into the future. So, you know, I think if you, if you look at what BP does, I mean, we do scale and a lot of these opportunities that can actually bring to bear change in, in the, in the environment and the market you know, from a sustainability perspective and everything else, you know, they, they need to be done at scale. You know, it's one thing our balance sheet enables us to do, our global footprint, uh, the expertise we have in, inside the company. And, and so, you know, do you, do you see an energy company playing more in agriculture, in, in food, in, in products that maybe traditionally were made through petrochemical processes and actually making them through different processes? I, I, I think so. I, I, th- I think that the scope for BP Ventures to invest is only going to get broader. As, as we look to tackle the new ambitions that, that Bernard set out um, in, in February, I, I think it's actually a really exciting time for us. I, I think you know we we've continued to invest more year on year. I think we're a key part of, of BP's transition to net zero by 2050 or sooner. And I think the space we're going to get to invest in and the technologies we're going to get to explore is just going to increase as well. It's it's actually. You know, I've been here 10 years, right? And I don't think I've ever been more excited about the potential for, for BP Ventures to tackle some of these problems. Well, wonderful. And be looking forward to the next 30 years as you get towards 2050 as well. So, David, Nacho, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, James. Thank you, Jim. Global Venturing Review was produced by In-Ear Production. You can find out more by going to inearproduction.com.